0: Again, I'm just really glad that we're here. We're concluding a four-week series today. Next, our next series is going to be dealing with forgiveness. So if you don't want to forgive that person that needs to be forgiven, don't come. <laughs> I'm kidding. You better come. But anyhow, we're going to be concluding this today. Again, um, the series is entitled All In, and today we're going to talk about being empowered. Empowered. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to be all in with whatever it is that God has in store for my life. The same with you. Amen. All in. Our go-to verse with this series has been in Luke chapter 4. going to begin to read this. Again, all of the projections are going to be behind me. If you don't have a smartphone, whatever, whatever you're using, and you can follow along that way. It says in Luke chapter 4, beginning at 16, it says, So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read and he had handed the book of the uh, he had he, excuse me he was handed the book of the prophet isaiah when he had opened the book he found the place where it was written the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor and to and uh, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. As far as I'm concerned when Jesus was reading that, he knew he knew very very clearly that God has a plan for every single person on this planet and he knew what the plan was. He knew exactly what that plan, whoever would be born on the planet would be uh, have an opportunity for all of that. So to sum up Luke chapter 4 16 through 7, 16 through 19 and this is the last time we're reading it in the series is that God wants you to be saved. God wants you to be healed, and God wants you to be set free, and God wants you to be empowered. Those are four things that are sums of what this scripture is that, we're, that we're dealing with is all about. So Jesus told his disciples when he would send them out, he says, I want you to do these three things, and it's important. It's very important. And this same word continues even today. And what Jesus told them to do is this. He says, I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to heal the sick. I want you to cast out demons. It's important. He says, I want you to preach the gospel, I want you to heal the sick, and I want you to cast out demons. So today we're, we're going to speak on this word of being empowered. What does it mean to be empowered? Now I have a desire, I really do, for every single person, everybody who calls Word of Life their church, I have a, a, a desire to see every believer and follower of Word of Life to be empowered. To be empowered here at Word of Life Church. Go with me to Zechariah chapter 4. We're going to do a number of scriptures, but hang with me as we go along. Zechariah chapter 4, one of my favorites in the scriptures, especially Old Testament. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Say Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel. Isn't that pretty fun? Okay, this is is the word. (laughs) It says here, then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Come on, give me an amen to that. That is good news. Not by might or power. Go to with me to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and it says these words, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Come on, give me an amen to that. And then go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, the second part of that verse, the second part of verse 20. It's coming from the message uh, uh, version, so hang with me here. And it says these words. It says, God's way is not a matter of mere talk. It is an empowered life. God's word is not just words tumbling off his lips and there's nothing to it. What he is is the God who has, who brings empowered life to every." single one of us, every single one of us. So I want to talk to you today about the Holy Spirit. And what I was looking for is for people to all of a sudden put their hands in front of their, that pew and grab a hold of this because there's going to be some, I'm sure, who are here today that are going to be thinking, you know what, this is when everybody at Word of Life begins to get a little bit more weird than they already are because they're going to be talking about the, they're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. And listen, the, the, these last... Few months have been really good, but now we're going to go down this avenue of the Holy Spirit, and I just don't know what it's going to, what's going to happen. My, now, listen to me, my friend. Not only do I think that that's not true, that something bad is going to happen, you have to be fearful, nothing to be afraid of at all. Uh, it, it's not going to get messy in any way, shape, or form. And not only do I believe that talking about uh, getting empowered. Um, uh, by the Holy Spirit changes everything about our lives, but I also believe, I also believe that your walk with God, as we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit, as we begin to learn, and it's just one message, this one week is what we're going to be doing probably more in the, further in the year, but I also believe that your walk with God is going to be forever changed for the good as you begin to learn some things about the Holy Spirit and see what God has done. I also believe that something wonderful is in store for all of us who are at Word of Life, Word of Life families. So, I get it. I get it. The Holy Spirit has, has a lot of bad press over the years. And I want to confront some of that that you and I have heard about. Some of those, those things that happen. I want to talk about that today. And bring a greater biblical clarity of the Holy Spirit and the believer's life. There is a reason why the Spirit of God has been sent to us. So where does all of the bad press come from? Where is all of this taking place? Well, let me first, before we go into any of that, let me start off with what happened when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of of Pentecost some 2,000 years ago. Go with me to Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. This is when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Acts chapter 2. Verse 1, and it says these words, when On the day of Pentecost, all of the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then, the, then uh, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them Ability As the Holy Spirit gave them ability, immediately, when the Spirit of God was poured out, immediately, uh, that very first church received the Holy Spirit coming upon them in a very powerful, very powerful, life-changing way. And here are some of the things that began to happen. First of all, thousands of people, thousands of people were were uh, genuinely changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Their lives were changed in just one day. In one event, things began to happen. There were thousands on that one day who ended up, who ended up getting saved. Um, they would then begin to heal the sick, and they would cast out demons, and, and they would raise the dead back to life. And when just minutes before, just minutes before the Holy Spirit was poured out, they weren't able to do any of that. That wasn't happening for them. That wasn't taking place in their life. But when the Holy Spirit was poured out, that's when it began to happen. Literally, the hearts of those who called out to God, their hearts and their lives were radically, radically changed. In fact, the the first Spirit-filled believers were accused of turning their then-known world upside down. For the people who weren't believing, for the people who didn't give a a rip about God, they were turning around complaining that all of a sudden this world, our world is now being turned upside down. And the truth of the matter is, is that what happened then to the early church is what we expect here at Word of Life. We want God to have his way every single time we come together. And if you agree with me on that, give me an amen. Amen. We want to see God do whatever he wants to do because he has nothing but good in store for us. God has nothing but good in store for us. We want God to always be among us here at Word of Life and to empower each of us with the power of the Holy Spirit. And, of course, when the Holy Spirit was really moving in people's lives in that beginning time, you can find it in the Scripture if you want to look it up. But guess who? Guess who stuck his big old fat nose right in the middle of what God was doing through the Holy Spirit? Yeah, it was Slewfoot. It was the devil. Yeah, there really is a devil, just so you know. There really is a devil. The church is under the influence of a very real spiritual battle. And one of the greatest battles that we rage right now is that 60%, 60% of American Christians, 6 out of 10, do not believe the devil is real. They don't believe that. But, they, but the devils are real. And demons are real. And it is the truth that is found in the Word of God. Devils and demons are a real thing. Yet, yet... of Christians in the United States of America believe that demons and devils are only symbolic. They believe that demons and devils are not real. But yet the Bible tells us. The Bible is clear. I brought my Bible out this time. Instead of it just being my, my little thing that I have, my phone or whatever this thing is, what's this called, the iPad or whatever it's called, we find here within the Bible, within the Bible, this is repeated over and over. In fact, 90, excuse me, 82 times the words de- devils and demons are mentioned in the New Testament 82 times. In, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, and it says these words, it says, stay alert. I love this. I love the New Living Translation, how they say this. Stay alert and watch out for your great enemy. It says that. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking at whom he may devour. So believe it or not, the word of God is clear. There is, there is another world, a spirit world that runs parallel along with this world that is just as real as this world is that we're living in right now, but more powerful. And it's more powerful because it's something that is eternal. It will always be. It will always be either in heaven or in hell. This, this dynamic is always going to be taking place. So what you see with the natural eyes is not all that there is that there really is to life. What you and I know that's taking place, what we can see with our natural eye, that's not all that there is. There has been a war raging since the very beginning of time in the spirit realm. It's been going on forever since the very beginning. The kingdom of God versus the kingdom of Satan. Light versus darkness. Good versus evil. Life versus death. The focus of of the fight is over the heart and the soul of lives of people, of every generation, people like you and people like me, where people would ultimately choose to love and follow and believe and serve the God of heaven where they would believe that, who loves you so very much. His love is unconditional. What that means is there's nothing you could do to make him ever love you more, and there's nothing you could ever do to make him love you less. His love is unconditional. And he has a wonderful plan for every single one of our their lives. So ultimately, would they choose God, would they choose God, or would they choose not to believe and to say no to God? People are very clear, Uh, excuse me, the Bible is very clear on this, and then become, those same people would become eternally lost and separated from God forever, and separated from others forever. Did you hear me? Literally, they would spend people who say no to God. They don't want this salvation. They don't want Jesus. They don't want to give their lives over to him and let God have his way because he is your creator and he has a wonderful plan for your life if you would let him. There are people who don't want that. And literally, they would spend eternity that, in a place called hell that has been made and prepared for the devil and his demons, where there will be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, the Bible says. The battle is real. Demons are real. Satan is, a real, is real according to the word of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, and it says, Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the, the, the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The word of God, those two different verses, those verses are explaining to us the reality, the reality of the forces of hell that are here and the battle that is taking place. Listen, the devil is bent He's bent on messing up everything he possibly can so that you and I would never experience the fullness that God has in store for you and for me and for our entire world. Your family, your friends, your co-workers, your school classmates, whoever they may be in your life. And church, I'm asking you, as I'm going into this message today, I'm asking you that you would decide to become all in. God, I want to be all in. I don't understand it all. And listen, I've been serving God for 48 years. I don't understand it all either. Believe me, I don't. But I want to be all in. Whatever I can find in the Word of God, and there's something to back up what He is saying and what He is doing, I want to be all in on that. And do you, would you be willing to be all in? Give me an amen. Amen. Thank you. The power and the work of the Holy Spirit in a believer's life is so life-changing and so incredibly life-giving. Now, regarding the Holy Spirit, the devil's mission and strategy is that He says, I've just got to mess this thing up. He stuck stuck his big fat nose in the middle of what happened on the day of Pentecost. And so he has been working ever since. He just wants to mess things up big time. And the strategy of the enemy is to cause controversy. The the strategy of the enemy is is to put wrong focus on right things. The strategy of the enemy is is to even get people who would be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Afraid of them. And there are. There are a lot of Christians who are afraid of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. The enemy will stir the pot of confusion with lies and deceptions all about hell. So, with, this, with his goal in mind, to keep us from the dream that God has for every one of our lives through the Holy Spirit. That's what he's working for. Remember, the only weapon, the only weapon the enemy still has to use against us today. The only weapon is, is that he, he is able to lie to us and deceive us with his lies. And we fall for it so often, right here. We fall for it. We fall for the lies and the deceptions of the enemy so very often. So, let me set aside now the works of hell, the works of darkness. And let me introduce you to the Holy Spirit this morning. The Holy Spirit teaching and introduction, of course, it starts with the story of Jesus. Jesus had to come here first before the Holy Spirit could be released on us. And of course, where you're going to find the story of Jesus is in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And of course, if you go into the four Gospels, it's going to give you the account of Jesus' life, things that were happening, things that Jesus did. He was in ministry for, he was alive for 33 years, he was in ministry for three of those 33 years. And we find here that the the, the information, the actions, the acts that that uh, the scriptures tell us in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, is the birth and the life of Christ, is the death of Jesus on the cross, and the resurrection, and his ascension into heaven. And of course, then there is the fifth book that talks about the Holy Spirit a lot, and that's called the book of Acts. Now, I want you to understand the word Acts. It's not with the X, it's with the C. A, A C T S. the book of Acts. And the, book, uh, and the book of Acts really is a historical record of the first church, which is often referred to as the early church, the beginning church. It's when Jesus was here on earth and when he gave up his life, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This all came from Jesus. So it's talking about the early church. But what is a, what is a, a bit wild is that the book of Acts starts off with the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The way the Word of God, it, the way it all happened, it, it, it was the great outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And we'll give more of that in just a few more minutes. But I want to jump ahead by a, a couple of decades. The, the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the day of Pentecost some 2,000 years ago. And where I'm going now is just a couple of decades beyond that, that when that took place. And we find in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 and 2, it says these words Listen to this again. This is about 30, 40 years, maybe that long, 20, 30, 40 years uh, ahead of what has just taken place, and, uh, which isn't a very long time, but it is somewhat of a long time. And here's what it says in verses 1 and 2. It says, and it happened that when Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, listen to this, listen, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He's going through, he knows that the Spirit of God has been poured out, Paul does, and things are happening all over the place. And as he's on his way over here toward Ephesus, he asked the question, did you you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And the response to them is in in verse 2, and they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit, that there is a Holy Spirit. We have not so much as even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And uh, once again, I'm saying to you, this proves that the devil's tactics and schemes to mess up the Holy Spirit big time, of, of course, he is out to do that. He's out to steal, kill, and to destroy, is what the Bible says. And maybe not kill us f- physically, but to kill us in relationships, to kill us in, in self-esteem and in whoever we may be, whatever our lives may be. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And that's what Jesus says with all of that. So he says, did you receive this? And we have not so much as even heard that. So once again, it proves the devil's tactics and schemes to mess up the Holy Spirit stuff big time. And of course, the reality is, is that that's still the case today. Yeah, on on January 26, 2020, the Holy Spirit is doing everything he can. Listen to me. He's doing everything he can to destroy Randy Chiz. He wants me to be done. He wants me to give up. He wants me to run. He, I mean, I've lost a son. My son died. And, you know, you try going through that. The enemy does all of this kind of stuff so that we give up. And don't look at me like you're so holy because you've been going through the same thing too. You have been facing all kinds of things in your life. And the enemy is constantly, constantly barking at you these things that you've done or won't do or will do or whatever the tactics and the schemes are but he's doing everything he can, even still today like he was for thousands of years. Because if you and I get filled with the Spirit of God, and if you and I would be used by the Spirit of God, so many lives would be changed. So many good things would begin to take place all over this world. And I know that there are people out there who, who love God and, and are going to heaven, but they've, they've never really experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit in their life. I don't want you to raise your hands and tell me that's you. Because I know there's many of us and there has been many times in my life where I just, I didn't understand it and I began to walk away from that. And then I would come back finally and I would begin to understand it a little bit more. And the, the, for those of us who may, be, who, have, may, who may be here who haven't experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit, I personally believe it's, it's, it, it, it's because the, the Holy Spirit has given, been given a bad rap as well. There are some people who resist God, who resist the Holy Spirit because they have heard things, they have seen things. That have bothered them, a lot of people are afraid of the Holy Spirit, and they would just rather not go there, if it's at all possible. So some of you may be squirming in your seat. Stop squirming, because they're going to say Pastor's talking about him. But it's 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 just maybe because you would just rather not rather not go there, and a lot of people's theology on the Holy Spirit has been based on what, what has has been based has not been based on what people say, but based on the experiences that have a bit of wackiness to it people that have said and done things in your life more about that in these next couple of moments. And if you're involved with the Holy Spirit, if you yourself are involved with the Holy Spirit and you know some people who do things a little bit weird, then your fear is, I just might end up weird like that too. So I'd rather not. I'd rather not talk about it. Or I'd rather not be a part of that. And my friend, if I can just be so bold as to say to you, and that's a work of hell. The work of hell is to stop you from moving forward and seeking after all that God has in store for your life including the Holy Spirit. Listen, I've been in public ministry for 37 years of my life. I'd like to say I've seen it all, I've heard it all. I don't think I have, but I've seen a lot. And I've heard a lot. And I can, confidenti- I- I can confidently, confidentially, confidently, there's the right word. I can confidently tell you that uh, a lot of all of that, that is associated with the Holy Spirit that comes your way. It simply isn't true. It is simply not true. And please don't fall for all the lies and schemes of of the enemy. There is a constant battle going on with this. Every day we have a battle with this. Every day we are trying to decide who are we going to follow, what are we going to believe. There is that constant battle. There is a constant battle between good, God and the devil, and between truth and lies. But the truth is, is that when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 that we read just a few moments ago. Things happened in a very demonstrative as well as a very strange way. And I admit that to you. There were weird things happening with those brand new spirit-filled believers. Wild things were taking place. And it got people uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. In fact, if you go with me to Acts chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, Acts 2, 12, and it says, and they were all surprised and wondered about this. They said to each other, "What can this mean?" But others laughed and made fun, saying, "Ah, they're just a bunch of drunks." It doesn't say it that way, but these are men full of new wine, is what it says in the, in the scriptures. So, what does what does all of that mean? Well, you know, these things that are taking place, um, they were thinking that these people are out of their mind. They were praying in tongues, and they were doing things, and people were getting healed, and lives were being changed and turned upside down, and these these other people, the, the people who were just looking around, seeing what is going on here. They must be drunk. They began to pick on them, and they began to call them names. You're out of your mind, and honestly, it's very typical when people don't understand. They'll criticize. People will criticize and make fun, and they said to They said to these apostles, they're just drunk is all that they are. They're just drunk. Go with me to Acts chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Then Peter stood up. Peter is my hero here. In In the book of Acts, Peter is my hero on just so many levels, I don't need to explain it now. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine. He's going like this It's only nine in the morning. He had a little bit of Italian in him. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So let me me explain this to you, is what Peter was saying. Let me explain this to you the things that you have seen and heard, the things that you don't understand, and you think they're crazy, you think they're drunk, but let me explain it to you. Let me tell you what's going on. I want, I want, uh, I want you to listen carefully to, be, to me because it isn't what you think it is. What you're seeing and hearing right now, it isn't what you think it is. Let me help you understand what's taking place. First, I don't want you to miss out with what God has in store for you. They're not understanding what Peter is talking about. They're not understanding the Holy Spirit coming and all of this. They didn't have it down, their theology down with all of this at this particular time. But he's trying to help them to understand. It's an, an incredible moment. It's it's amazing. And there is just so much good that God is wanting to do for all of us. So let me explain this to you. They are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. And they're not drunk. And you think that this is this is but... Uh, you think that that this is uh, this is it but it's not this is not what it is you think that they're drunk and it's not what it's supposed to be that's not what it is that's not what it is so what you're seeing and what you're hearing and what you're experiencing right now this is that this is that this is not what you think it is but was spoken by the prophet joel and, and Peter quotes Joel, and he begins to talk about what, the old, what this prophet, Old Testament prophet began to say, who's prophesying about this day of Pentecost, and about the Spirit of God that's being poured out, poured out on all generations of that particular day, and being still poured out even today, thousands of years later. It's about the church being born, along with miracles and signs and wonders, and speaking in other tongues, and uh, this is that which is what the prophet had said. This is that, what he said he would do. So Peter begins to chastise those people who are there. And he says something like this. He says, you've been waiting for this for uh, generations. They've been waiting for this for 800 years, for the Spirit of God to come, for the work of the Holy Spirit to come. You've been waiting for this for generations. 800 years ago, the prophet was promising that we would ha- this would happen on the day of Pentecost. Some 800 years later. And then Peter says to them, there has been generations waiting for this to happen. And when it came, you rejected it. When the Spirit of God was poured out and, the, and things were happening, supernatural things were happening, Peter says to them, and you rejected it because you thought, you thought that it would be this instead of that, is what you were thinking. You thought that it was going to be this. And the this that was taking place, you didn't like. Because you were mocking them and you were coming against them. And what he concludes by saying here in this, he says, and it's what God says, that's the reality. This is that, what God himself says. This is that. Give me an amen to that if you would, please. So, of course, you know and I know there's a huge majority of the population who believe this, that the way that we get to God, we need to keep all the rules. The way that we get to God, we need to go to church every Sunday. The way that we get to God is to be an exceptionally good person because scores and scores of people around the world believe that this is what you have to do. You have to do that. You have to be a good person if you want to get to heaven. And Paul tells them, but it's not what you think. It's not what you think. Listen to your pastor this morning. Even as... uh, even some of you are resisting right now. There are some of us who are in this room right now who are not believing the stats that we're given about the Holy Spirit. God doesn't care about rules and regulations, my friend. Hmm. God doesn't care about rules and regulations. Because God knows that good people don't go to heaven. But forgiven people are the ones who go to heaven. And the only way that you can ever that you can ever be forgiven so that you can go to heaven is because you believe what Jesus did on the cross was for you. That's how you know you will go to heaven. Not by being good, not by being doing a lot of good works. The only way you're going to get to heaven is that if you believe what he did on the cross. God's focus is not about rules and regulations. He wants a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you. God wants that relationship with you. The prophet Joel 800 years before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the, the, uh, the prophet Joel spoke prophetically about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And he was spot on. Peter says that in that day of Pentecost, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. He said those words. And it's not what you think it is. Most of us get it. Most of us understand it's about the Holy Spirit. Most of us in this room and part of Word of Life, we, we understand that. But then there are probably, I know there's some outside these four doors, uh, four walls, but there's also maybe those who are in here today. There are those who would say to me, you know, Pastor, I'm good with the Father. I'm good with the Son. But I don't think I like spirits. And I don't think I like ghosts. I don't know how I feel about the Holy Spirit. I just don't know how I feel about the Holy Spirit. It's not what you think it is if you would understand him it's not what you think it is unless you could spend some time with him if you did believe in what jesus said about the holy spirit if you believed those things that he's taught us and showed us that you could find in one of the four in all of the gospels four gospels you would pray every day holy spirit come i know that you have the power i know come and and do a work inside of me today fill me with your spirit Every day, every day you should be praying that prayer. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Lord, move in me. Three quick things and we're out of here. Number one, the Holy Spirit is not weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird. Get encouraged. John 16, 13 says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you the things to come. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. We've all seen people, we've all seen people who talk about the Holy Spirit nonstop. That's all they talk about. We do about one or sometimes two series on the Holy Spirit at Word of Life a year. We don't do it all the time. But for the people who do it, who are talking about the Holy Spirit all the time, to a lot of us, that's weird. To walk into a church and only hear about the Holy Spirit is weird. Nobody else agrees with me, but it's weird to me. AND SO, um, AND THE FACT OF THE MATTER IS, um, THERE ARE JUST WEIRD PEOPLE THAT ARE OUT THERE. THERE REALLY ARE. SO TO TRY TO IDENTIFY WHO THOSE WEIRD PEOPLE ARE, it, it, THERE IS, there is a, 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 uh, a POLL AS TO HELP YOU TO UNDERSTAND IF THAT PERSON'S REALLY WEIRD OR NOT, YOU KNOW, IF THEY'RE WEIRD. AND THE POLL, AND IT'S REALLY PRETTY ACCURATE, it's, IT SAYS SOMETHING LIKE THIS. Um, IT SAYS IN THE POLL THAT ONE OUT OF THREE PEOPLE ARE WEIRD. So. <laughs> If that be the case, look to the person to your left. Now look to the person to your right. And if they don't look weird or talk weird, guess who the weird one is? Many people see weird people and they think, if I get tied up with the Holy Spirit, that's what I'm going to become. And if you don't hear anything else today, I want to tell you, you can be a normal person and believe in the person of the Holy Spirit and not be weird. You don't have to be weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird. He is not weird. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you to become all the man that he's created you to be and all the woman that he has created you to be. Oh, come on, I'm going to say it one more time. Maybe I'll get an amen. God, the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to become all the man that he's created you to be and all the woman that he's created you to be. Not only is God the Holy Spirit not weird, but God has <clears throat> God the Holy Spirit <clears throat> is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He's a person. Jesus talking to his disciples, he says, I'm going to go away. And if I go, if I go away, it's going to be good for you that I do go away because you will, um, don't be troubled by this because uh, I am sending someone else to you. And of course, that would be the Holy Spirit. Let me read to you John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, and I'm going to emphasize this and And I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper, another helper, that he may abide in you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the Word cannot receive, because it is neither him nor uh, it is neither him nor nor what nor knows him oh i, I that's my fault, sorry, because it is neither uh Sees him or knows him. Boy, I'm, I'm really ruining this one right here for sure. But you know him and he dwells with you and will be with you. And those, there's four different times when it's talking about the he and the him. In other words, it's not, they're not talking about the Holy Spirit being an it. It's not, he is not an it at all. The Holy Spirit is a person. And uh, if, if you don't see him as a person, then you will never develop a personal relationship with him. I don't know what you do with the Holy Spirit, but I talk to him every single day, multiple times a day. He's the one who's leading me and guiding me. And you can have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit and not be weird. Number two, the Holy Spirit is our teacher and our helper. John chapter 14, 26 and 27. Hope I can read this one better. But the helper, the Holy Spirit... Whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The Holy Spirit is our teacher, he is our helper. This is incredible what I'm sharing with you right now. That means that you can read the Bible. That means that you can read the Word of God, the Bible, and get good, clear, revelation. Revelation without uh, going to Bible school. You don't have to go to a Bible school in order to be able to read the Bible and understand what the Word of God is saying. By the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, you can read the Bible and you will see things that you've never seen before. You will, you will know of new depths as, uh, of meaning, clearer understanding. You will have a deeper revelation to you. In John chapter 6, 63, it says these words. It says, it is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak are to you are spirit and they are life is what the word of God says. Jesus says here, Jesus says here that every time I speak, this is what Jesus says. Every time I speak, the words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they have breath in them. And therefore they are life. And the words that Jesus speaks to us, the words that we see in this book... They are life. It brings life to us. Another way to look at the, this verse, uh, coming from the lips of Jesus himself, he says that the words on the pages of your Bible, they are not normal words, is what he was saying. They're not just normal words. Those words actually contain the fulfillment of those very words, those very words. The words are the breath of life in themselves. And the and word of life, that's exactly what I want you to experience I want you to get to the place and you're in such a deep relationship with God, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that when you're picking up this book, it makes sense to you. It begins to speak to you in ways, and you're going to see it differently many, many times in your walk with God. Things are going to happen, and God is doing a great, great work. The Holy Spirit will be that inner voice in your life that you and I need to be familiar with. So, the last and final point, jump down to that one now, and that is the Holy Spirit will convict us of sin. THE HOLY SPIRIT WILL CONVICT US OF SIN. JOHN CHAPTER 16, VERSE 8, AND IT SAYS THESE WORDS, AND WHEN HE HAS COME, HE WILL CONVICT THE WORLD OF SIN AND OF RIGHTEOUSNESS AND OF JUDGMENT, OF SIN BECAUSE THEY DO NOT BELIEVE. THEY DO NOT BELIEVE IN ME. I'M GOING TO ASK IF YOU WOULD PLEASE JUST BOW YOUR HEADS JUST FOR A MOMENT. CLOSE YOUR EYES. THIS THIRD POINT OF THE HOLY SPIRIT SOUNDS A LITTLE BIT CHALLENGING. God the Holy Spirit is going to convict us of our sin. I want to let you know what that means. The approach of the Holy Spirit in your life would be something like this. As you're about ready to take that step towards sin, toward adultery, toward your drugs, toward your pornography, whatever it is that you're into, whatever those things are, the Holy Spirit would say something like this. There's a better way. There's a better way. Don't go that way. Instead, go this way. The Holy Spirit in John 16, 9, it says there, it says that the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin because we don't believe. And my friend, if that's you today, the Bible says the Holy Spirit convicts us because of our sin, because we don't believe that we're a sinner, must be. And if that be the case for you, my friend, you're never going to go to heaven. YOU WILL NEVER GO TO HEAVEN BECAUSE GOD, BECAUSE GOOD PEOPLE DON'T MAKE IT TO HEAVEN, FORGIVEN PEOPLE MAKE IT TO HEAVEN. AND YOU NEED TO BE SOMEONE WHO REALIZES THAT YOU'VE GOT SIN IN YOUR LIFE, AND THE ONLY WAY YOU'LL BE FORGIVEN IS BY WHAT JESUS HAS DONE FOR YOU. SO I CHALLENGE YOU WITH YOUR HEADS BOWED AND YOUR EYES CLOSED, MAYBE TODAY WOULD BE A DAY THAT YOU WOULD WANT TO GIVE YOUR LIFE TO JESUS. IF THAT BE YOUR DESIRE, I'M GOING TO BE VERY QUICK WITH A PRAYER WITH YOU. I WANT TO PRAY FOR YOU PERSONALLY. And I want to pray a prayer that you would want to pray to Jesus that you want to give him your life so that your sins are forgiven, your name is written in heaven, and when you die, I didn't say if you die, but when you die, you would be with God forever in heaven by putting forth that faith that you believe him. The prayer would be something like this, and I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer with me aloud, or you could whisper it, or you can move your lips, but as long as you're praying to Jesus, and you would say something like this, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Help me to live for you from this day forward. I give you my life. I give you my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Now listen, my friend. That was a simple prayer. But if you were sincere in that prayer, your sins are forgiven you. You're in right standing with God. You're a son and you're a daughter. Come on, let's give them a round of applause. A son and a daughter of the living God. Stand with me if you would. We're going to close out our final song. We're only going to be a minute or two with all of this. We're going to pray. uh, If you would need prayer for anything at all, these intercessors have been praying for you the last hour plus and are ready to pray with you right now. So if you would like to be prayed for while we're singing a song, come on down and be here, and we will leave, let you out of here in just a moment, if you would please do that. Go ahead. Let's go to that song.